Yes. Good morning, everybody. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Whenever it is your podcast fix, my name is Derek Smith, and this is the Truth or Derek Show or the Truth or Derek Podcast. Call it whatever you want. Come on. As long as you hit that download button, I'll let you call me whatever you want. Uh, thank you so much for hitting that download button, wherever it is that you download your podcast, because today we got lots of stuff to get to. We got some wicked emails we got in. We got a little stuff to mix it up, but uh, our man, we were going to do our Josh and Franz today, but um, our man Franz is actually on a uh, on a on a religious uh, retreat, so uh, Joshua Schiffer reached into his uh, contacts and got us uh, the great Rachel Kaufman is going to come on today. We're going to cover everything out uh, in the world of legal stuff and some news, and uh, there's a ton of stuff to get to. But before we get to anything, you know we have to tell you how to take your podcasting career to the next level with www.podstars.net. Podstars is a talented and passionate community that will give you the opportunity to interview top professionals from a variety of industries where they will share their insights and experiences with your audience. Plus, everyone will have access to the exclusive celebrity catalog featuring some of the best in the business, both new and established. It's also free to join. As a member of Podstars, you can choose from our catalog of celebrities to interview on your podcast. And if interested, for only an additional monthly fee of only $8.99 a month, you can upgrade to the community plan a completely different and exciting catalog full of some of the best experts and professionals in their fields today, as well as access to everyone in the whole PodStars universe. It is a great way to invest in your podcast as you will save time and money by being able to book guests from one platform with an expansive catalog that is constantly being added to. So why wait? Join www.podstars.net now and explore all that they have to offer. You will not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to elevate your podcasting career and be a part of the exciting community. I nailed it uh, I nailed it down pretty good the last couple of weeks, so cut me some slack, will you? Anyways, yes, um, Franz isn't gone forever, but he's just gone for now. He's on a uh, uh, pilgrimage to... I, he sent me the, the name of the place. I think it's in Croatia, but I don't want to try to... Um, I don't want to try to pronounce it because I, there's no way I can. Um, speaking of stuff that I can't pronounce, and this is fantastic. So I told you guys, somebody wrote me an email, and it's just one of the best emails I've ever gotten. I got a bunch of stuff because it's been a couple of weeks since uh, we've had a, a chance to sit down and chat. So somebody sent me an email. Sorry, it was uh, Julie from New Jersey. Uh, I don't know if I talked about it last time, but the downloads in New Jersey, uh, very popular. Uh, right after uh, we talked to Matthew Mangino, so I'm guessing he has a bit of a New Jersey following, uh, being a Philly guy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, a, a few people have reached out. You know, we got our Oklahoma people. We got people all over, but New Jersey blew up after that. So Julie from... <laughs> New Jersey emailed and said, uh, hi, Derek. And again, you guys reach out to me any way you want. Just you Google the Truth or Derek podcast. and There's a bunch of stuff that comes up. You can send me a message on Twitter at Derek Vampire Slayer or an email uh, podstars with a Z dot connect at outlook dot com. But again, I'm not a hard guy to find. Just Google it up. Shoot me a message. Ask me whatever you want. And uh, we will sort it all down. So Julie from New Jersey writes, hi, Derek. Uh, just started listening to your show with your interview with Matthew Mangino. And then I listened back to the episode where you had uh, Josh Schiffer and Franz Borghardt on. I normally listen to my podcast on my way to the office, and I listen to it at 0.15 speed because my commute's only 40 minutes, and I'd like to be able to knock out the hour podcast then, which I wasn't actually entirely that aware that people do listen to these things in, in a, at a faster speed. So I guess if that's your deal, it's pretty cool. Uh <laughs> And then she wrote, when you, <laughs> she wrote in the episode when you were talking with Mangino before you had him on, I accidentally hit the 0.5 button, which slowed you down when you were talking about the uh, one of the the news stories. So she sent me the the minute mark, and she said uh, it it just it was hysterical. She said you sound drunk, so. Obviously, I went back to get the audio, so let's give it a listen and uh, let's see what this sounds like. This is just whatever I was talking about at that uh, at that particular point in time slowed down. I 
podcast did correct it. This one is from Florida. <laughs> but we, we've covered crazy news from <laughs> elsewhere before. So, 52 year old Eddie uh, or, Orbit Orbit Orbitage <laughs> Orbit. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. O R O B I T G or Orbit. <laughs> was playing golf with his son at Harbor Hills Country Club. <laughs> God. So, yeah, and uh, I did. Thank you, Julie from New Jersey, for that email because I we we have to start doing this every week. I'll just do a quick segment of something that I screwed up the week before and play it slowly. So, uh, yeah, I highly suggest. I guarantee you, I sound better faster than I do slower because that's terrible. And that's exactly you know what it's what's worse is it doesn't even sound like I've been drinking. It sounds like me drinking, mocking somebody that's drinking. Uh, a few other uh, a few other quick things to get through here. And then I'll play a little bit of music for you, but I really want to uh, skip ahead and get to um, get to our guest today because Josh and Rachel are going to be bomb, bomb. And again, I apologize. In the, in the the past few weeks, there's been a little bit of audio issues here and there, but we upgraded all the equipment. Uh, we're using a different program now, so hopefully this whole thing goes well. There's only one way to find out. So one of the one of the news stories that came across, and it was funny because. Um, Every time, you know, we, we, we talk about this on Twitter or on socials or on Facebook and all that sort of thing, everybody loves to chime in. So it's, it's the funniest news story. So this happened in um, Nashville, Tennessee. And there was, there was a few stories this week. It's, it's weird. They come in clusters. We know um, people were picking on Florida last week, and I guess this week we're picking on Nash or Tennessee in general. So a guy, a, a guy wakes up. He's at, he's at a hotel. And he wakes up and there was somebody sucking on his toes. And again, we put it on Twitter and, and some of the comments are just great. People are like, well, if that happens, you better throw in HBO Max for free. Oh, if this happens, I want a free continental breakfast. <laughs> it's funny. You see the other people go, oh, I'm going to sue you for a trillion dollars and all that sort of thing. And you're like, oh, on the other hand, you know, just <laughs> continental breakfast isn't even breakfast. It's like a bagel with cream cheese. I did have a, a one of the places on Niagara Falls had a um, a pancake making machine. I could spit the dough out and it cooked it on this conveyor belt. And spit. It was terrible, but man, technology, I'm telling you. So, <laughs> and this story, okay, it sounds like a ridiculous story, but it gets, uh, I don't want to say ridiculous, sir, because I don't think that's a word. So this guy wakes up and the, the manager is sucking on his toes. And so he freaks out a bit. I guess calls the police. The police show up, and the manager was like, "Oh, I thought I I smelled fire. That's why I um, <laughs> that's why I ran in there." And then they obviously figured out that was nonsense. So it's as weird as this is, it turns out, and the guy didn't have like a fake name or whatever, but he had actually two uh, uh, criminal. Uh, he had a criminal history with two charges, and one of them was manslaughter. Like he had done, I don't have the news story in front of me, but he had done like twelve years in jail, and I guess. Rehabilitate, rehabilitated Jesus, come on, Derek. Oh, I'm going to play this in slow motion next week. Rehabilitated himself uh, back into the workforce and rose back up the ranks and became a hotel manager, which I guess is the point of the system, but to go all that way and then to break into somebody's uh, hotel room to suck on their toes. I don't get this, uh, the whole foot thing, but you got to be careful when you Google those news stories because then, you know, it's not just the algorithm that they're going to start sending them to you. It's just, okay, you put in a uh, toe-sucking hotel and like the, the one in Nashville is not the first one that comes up. And you're like, you read that one and then that was strange. And it just, we always joke about rabbit holes. And again, I love, uh, the reason I love YouTube is all the stuff that they recommend to me is always a hoot. Uh, just because I don't know why, it just they've got my rhythm down. But as far as my Google search goes, especially when I'm looking through stuff for the show or I'm looking through something to post and all that sort of thing, you just sometimes go down the wrong way. And the next day, it's article after article of just nonsense. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. But that is the world of the internet, the international network. Where would we be without it? 
I know the other day I was having an, uh, an argument over with somebody over what the most popular food in the world was. And you, I think pretty sure you used to have to get like an encyclopedia or uh, talk to somebody who knows about that sort of thing or, or have read an article in the newspaper about it. But yeah, you just Google it up. I believe pizza was number one. Burgers number two. Uh, I don't remember who sent me this, but I'm 90% sure it was our man Johnny in Pittsburgh. Uh, with everybody complaining about AI's uh, screwing this up and AI's uh, screwing that up, some of the positive effects of AI, and I, I know it, it was it would have been better had it have come out two weeks ago when the episode was supposed to. But you know what? We still have it now, and we can put everybody else in the Christmas spirit. But some brilliant, brilliant person put uh, Frank Sinatra and Little John together, and it resulted in this. To the window, to the wall, until the sweat drops down my balls, until all you bitches crawl. Oh, skeet, skeet, goddamn. <laughs> uh, there was one other one, too. To the window, to the wall, till the sweat drops down my ball. My until all these bitches crawl, ah, skeet, skeet, goddamn. I like to see them females twerking, taking their clothes off, fucking naked. ATL ho, don't disrespect it. <laughs> Three, six, nine, damn, she fine. Hoping she can suck it to me one more time. Bring your ass right over here, ho, and let me see you get <laughs> So yes, there is some uh, some positive uses of AI technology out there. And again, if you guys find any of come across any of that, please uh, send me whatever you want. Again, we love uh, mixing it up on our socials. We love mixing it up on the show. I know that there was a bunch of other stuff to get to, and I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I gotta get in some. Gotta get. We've we've been straightening out the audio thing and all that sort of thing. And hopefully, now that this is done. We're going to do our weekly show, hopefully now two a week, because we got a bunch of people that want to jump on. We get a bunch of stuff scheduled for the next few weeks. Uh, one fascinating. I don't want to drop it yet just because we're still working everything out. We're working out some new uh, theme music, working out a whole bunch of everything. So one other thing I did want to talk about that uh, we were talking about back and forth, uh, I believe it was on Twitter, was about people that uh, tell stories that give like unnecessary details. Now, me, I am not that person. Like, you know, like if some people are sick or somebody's passed away or somebody like misses a party and stuff like that. I mean, it's different when you're on the podcast because you kind of got to, you know, you don't just have to fill time. But, you know, it's uh, you have to paint a word picture where if you knew me in person, I, I you know what? I, I'm a good friend and uh, talkative and all that sort of thing. But like, I, I don't like to pry. You know, if you're telling a story like, you know, I'll go see some people and then I'll get home. My wife will go, you know, uh, you know, how was it? And I'll say, you know, well, Sean wasn't there. And she'll be like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. He's sick. She'll be like, with what? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know if it's as, as, uh, as you get older, because I know like a lot of smart people, like especially a lot of the people we interview in here, like there's no question they're smarter than I am. But it might just be because they have that kind of memory that locks in all that kind of information. Where it's not like I didn't have a traumatic childhood or anything like that, but there was one really embarrassing one I remember. And this guy was a pretty good friend of mine. His name was Bob. I had run into him like five years after, after high school. I ran into him at Home Depot. And this guy and I were pretty close. I think we were we were pretty good friends for I want to say at least two years. We used to hang out, you know, do this, listen to music, go to parties and stuff. And for some reason, it was just one of those details that just fell out of the old brain. I, again, I think as you get older, as stuff goes in, stuff does fall out. But I felt so bad because this, he was one of the nicest guys. It was just one of those things we just lost touch after high school. But uh, when I ran into Home Depot, he's like he runs over and he's like Derek. And uh, I, I could usually I fake it or just, you know, do some uh, inane chit chat for a few seconds until you kind of catch on to it. Because, like, on the one hand, I'm forgetful. I'm not stupid. <laughs> it will eventually come to me. 
So he comes over and he gives me a hug. He's like, oh, my God, Derek, you know, how are you? And I was, you know, good, man. You know, how have you been? He's like, oh, good, good. And he's just telling me about this and that. We were talking for a little while and it just never came to me. So he was like, uh, you know, and I just said, what was your name again? And he was like, oh, come on. <laughs> and I was like, no, I was like, dude, I'm, I said, I'm drawing a blank. I just said, you, you got me in an off day and all that sort of thing. And he just looked so heartbroken because like he figured like we were really close. We were. And I just, I felt like such a, it was just, it was one of those things that just, it, it leaked out. I guess maybe I had learned something else that week and then that one fell out. But I, I sent him a message to the, after I, he told me who he was and I felt bad and we just kind of shook it and walked away sad. And I sent him a message or two over like the next week to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was just blah, blah, blah. And he got back with like a regular answer and stuff like that. And then we, we never talked after that. So. Going back to, to the details, again, cut people some slack, especially when it comes to me. If it's something that, uh, if you are going to reach out, if it's something that we talked about or something that someone said and all that, just bear with me or just give me like the, give me the um, the landscape. Again, paint me a word picture to help me remember. That's why I like we got that uh, that email. Again, I know women are way better at this than men are with being detail oriented as uh, the Julie from New Jersey that sent me the, I sounded drunk was like, it was on this show. It was at this time. It was at blah, 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 where, you know, you get messages from Johnny from Pittsburgh. Again, shout out. We'll send you a, a message going, Oh, I like that thing you did last week. <laughs> and I'll be like, what thing? He'll be like, Oh yeah, I know that, 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 that thing with the music. <laughs> so, Yes, not a detail-oriented person. But, uh, you know, I, I try to work on that. It's, uh, again, I think it's with all men. We're, um, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Not a work in progress. But we're, uh, I'm a pyramid, but I'm still at the bottom. I haven't got to the top yet. But I, I'm working on it. We'll get the, the podcast will get to the top. My memory will get better. This whole, the audio quality is going to get, everything's going to start to come together. So just bear with me on that. But uh, uh, while you're bearing with me, so yes, everybody, bear with me, and uh, without further ado. Okay, now everybody <laughs> put on their clothes. The well, recording started. If less is more, then imagine how much more more is, because more of your favorite and my favorite. You know him from Court TV and CNN. You know him from mopping the courthouse floor all over Georgia. You know him from rocking all over social media. He is the great Joshua Schiffer, and... Not by himself today, because the ATL is taking over. She also rocks on Court TV, as well as running her own law firm. She is the laser-focused, see-through-the-tumbleweeds, knock-down, drag-out, courtroom, cerebral assassin that is the amazing oh. Rachel Kaufman. How's it going? Hey, Rachel! Josh wrote that, and thank you, Josh. <laughs> I, I, I was so happy when I was like, no. yes, let's bring Rachel. So... For people that don't know, Rachel and I know each other really well outside of just going to work where we bump into each other. We both trained with some of the same groups. We know many of the same people and we actually have shared cases together. Rachel is someone that I rely on because she has got an amazing perspective. She is an absolute dogged litigator. I certainly uh, hope so because we're cheating on Franz talking to her. So it better we are cheating be on it. <laughs> we are cheating on Franz, who is in I believe uh, Montenegro or Serbia. Uh, but Franz might say, like that scenario. I don't know. Uh, yeah, when I say dogged, Rachel <laughs> is also amazing because she is one of the true great loving people and loves animals, especially dogs, and has been the yeah. I have three here. I apologize if they misbehave already. My dog sure. walker might drive mine off too, so it might just be a barking thing. We'll just we'll, we'll work it into the conversation. That so. would be a great podcast. Dogs. Well, imagine dogs. what they're saying. There was but, actually Josh, you might because you're our music expert. There was a band by the name of Canaanus, and their lead singer was a dog. The dog's name was Basil. It passed away a little while ago, and they made a big thing. But they would just play metal music, and there was a dog barking into the microphone. The Long live time. Basil. Yeah, uh, Rachel is one of the driving forces behind uh, Canine Cellmates, which is a super awesome program where, you know, a, a criminal criminal justice is so often focused on punishment and, and not the whole person. By introducing animals and a care relationship 
and things like that. You 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 help people struggle into becoming more human, more more people centered by giving them something to live for and to care about. Since the absence of care is one of the things that drives people into a lifestyle that involves law enforcement. And by bringing animals, very often shelter animals, abused animals, animals that don't have another great pathway, Rachel brings them into penal situations and gets amazing results from these criminals that a lot of people just kind of want to throw away. And one of the great things about canine cellmates is it's it's oh, solving you. so many problems at the same time. And those are the kind of solutions that we should all support. Win-wins um, versus yeah. lose-lose, which is the criminal justice system is a lose-lose. Everyone's losing. And the reason that they're losing is because you're expecting, it, it'd be like a kid who's failing in school, but not getting him a tutor and wondering why he's still failing. The old uh, so, saying is catch up to the other kids by going slower. Uh, yeah, it, it really... We've got these individuals who society, for one reason or another, has tried to discard, um, and they don't have the same relations and education and emotional maturity and development because they never had those opportunities. We're talking about people that didn't have the home life that we that we want people yeah. to have. Parents that didn't value what kind of grades they got, that valued yeah. more that they stood on their ground in the parking lot against other kids. That was more important than doing well in school. So anyways, yeah, they start off. It's it's just my mom always asked me who who I think I would be if I had different parents. She used to work with kids in the foster care system. So I knew that if I, I mean, and I do know that if I was raised by people that everyone loves their parents, I mean, they may hate their parents, but ultimately like you want to please your parents. And if your parents tell you to like go fight instead of like use your words or that's how they fight, that's how you think you solve problems. That's how you end up in jail where there's more fighting. Then they let you loose and then wonder why you, you keep fighting. A lot of the times in criminal justice, we see the impact of modeling as a child. If you're if, if the child never gets examples of better behavior, of good decision making processes, of good goals, and instead are following, you know, parents that may not have the best direction themselves. Those kids don't grow up to be super successful or as successful as we'd want. It takes an extraordinary person. <laughs> Mimi, stop. It takes an extraordinary person. She says, no, it doesn't. I could do it. <laughs> okay. She probably wants to be on film. But yeah, um, Josh, thank you for talking about canine cellmates. Yeah, I'm just really into like, I used to be really into crime. I, I deal with mostly violent felonies. I've taken, I'm, I, now I want more peace in my free time. You were saying you're having a particularly difficult week. Yeah. So here's a five minute. It's a, it's a great snippet. The worst, the a night, the nightmare of 2024 began January 14th, where I had a client. Um, he was a 22 year old with no criminal history. He was a juvenile diabetic. Um, his mother brought him to the hospital because she was concerned at the ER. This was a, two years ago. Um, because she was concerned about him possibly, you know, his blood sugar, whatever it was being, it was off and he was not sleeping and he was experiencing what appeared to be like psychosis. When he was at the ER, they decided to involuntarily hospitalize him for 72 hours, which they have, which doctors have the right to do under certain Happens situations. regularly. And they, you know, I, I think that that's a very important thing. And we want people proactively when they, when their loved one is not doing well mentally, you know, mentally we want them to be in a safe space mother takes him to the hospital the hospital takes him to a mental hospital he's on his like 72nd hour he's a large black male is what i should note i have rottweilers i like big dogs people think big dogs are you know the big black dog is the scariest dog there's a point to the story so he ends up attempting to i guess flee the facility they had put him on some some brand new medication that has the side effects that they read on tv like might cause you to be suicidal might cause you shouldn't operate machinery don't you bleeding know. might cause you to jump to jump a bench in the middle that's of why you're in a mental hospital when they're trying to put you on it and yeah. stabilize you right anyhow he ends up in what what this private mental hospital cause calls their healing garden this is at nighttime there are lights in the healing garden however none of the employees know how to turn them on they say the doors were locked. You know, it's supposed to be a lockdown facility. He ends up in the yard. These mental health providers are terrified of the big dog that got loose in the yard. 
That's that's why I'm explaining it. It's, it's not like they're like chasing around a little poodle in the yard with no lights on. They're all scared. So they call the police, even though he's not hurt anybody or threatened to hurt anybody. And Long story short, in, in a secure mental facility. He's forced. He's involuntarily there. He has no choice but to be there. They call police. Police with guns come in. They don't. There's no place for them to leave their guns. They bring guns into a mental hospital and they attempt to, you know, corner my client. It's all on body cam. You can't see anything because there's no light. They're on some wooden ramp that's slippery. They fall over. It's like buffoonery. It would be like it would make a funny cartoon if it didn't end up in tragedy. Because you've got two cops with their guns. All they have to do is try to help this. I mean, the mental health provider should have been doing it. But all they're trying to do is get this guy secure back into the facility. I said telling him that there's like Reese's inside would have been better or like there's a pizza on the way would have probably worked. But instead, they call police with guns. They all fall on this wooden ramp. My 300 pound black client is in between these two officers. The officer's holster breaks. My client reasonably is probably scared he's going to get shot, goes for the gun. But see, that's what I was thinking. Maybe he was like trying to protect himself. The officer gets grazed in the leg while they're all trying to retain onto this weapon. The other officer shoots my client in the back. His gun jams, I guess, luckily or unluckily at this point, my client, so my client survives. He gets shot once. The officer's grazed in the leg. My client goes to jail for aggravated assault on a police off on a peace officer. I'm sorry, they call it a peace officer. Aggravated assault on a peace officer, interference with government property. When my client got control of the gun, he tried to shoot himself in the head. Luckily, he he was not able to do that successfully. This all happens while he's supposed to be in a secure mental hospital. Then they well, take no, him while, to the while he is in a secure facility. He is in a secure, yeah. So he yeah. can't go anywhere else. So then they take him um to the hospital. He's intubated. They, I mean, he's got staples in his stomach. They have to put their shrapnel that stays there. This was March of 2022. Um, this case is in Gwinnett County. This kid, so this kid's been in jail. I've had at least six bond hearings. I've dealt the things I've attempted and done in relation to trying to get this DA's office to see clearly, the officer said he did, he was trying to hurt himself. We just want him to get help. No criminal history. Can't get in bond. Everyone's scared of him. And I think it's because there was an aggravated assault on a, on a peace officer. You know, the prosecutors, when it comes to individuals that they want to especially protect, the facts don't matter. I have a lot it, crazy. Anyways, two years later, here we are. I went and saw him like two weeks ago. Um, he's still in jail which is a which I've been talking about forever. He ends up dying on Sunday. I said, so that's the whole point. I'll stop. He somehow he died in the jail. I before we had a chance to have a trial where I was ready to go. I was like, let's have a trial because he's if you look at your own evidence, prosecutors, you'll see that your police, the, the police that were there say he didn't mean to hurt us, meaning like he had no criminal intent. Plus, he's psychotic, um, even though the Department of Behavioral Health says that he is he was criminally responsible. They don't even know if he shot that he even did it. Anyways, I would have I would have gotten a not guilty. He should have been out on bond. Everybody fought me and he died in the jail. And now it's under under circumstances that don't appear obviously to be suicide or homicide. So we're waiting um, I, on the which I don't on, get that part. And I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. It's probably well, one or the other, right? Yeah. If anybody will lie to you, it's a jail. Now I uh we talked about this a little bit last week with the, the log jam of the legal system, where it sounds like you, you you had a plan, you had something worked out. You said that that whole thing uh, went down in 2022. Is this just the way it is now where you have to wait on, I've, I don't want to say it's an open and shut case, but it's definitely something that you guys could have sorted out with the prosecution and all that, that you're here, you know, 18 months later. I told you the lack of efficiency I mean, yeah. it's, it's a joke. It's a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. It's like tra it's, it's, prosecutors, you know, by analogy, are the worst drivers. They're driving in the left lane and they're driving slow. OK, that's who they are. And they think and, and because they have all the power. And until it's ready for trial, they don't even look at the case. It just pushes through the pipeline. Certain cases get a lot of attention, but certain cases like black men who are in mental hospitals, nobody cares about, but they're scared of no criminal history. I like to think about how every, every bit of that situation would have been different if it was me. So, you know, what's interesting is we had uh, Matthew Mangino on last week and he's been mm -hmm. a prosecutor and a defense attorney. And we were discussing uh, discussing 
if that's an advantage, uh, you know, on the defensive side for the prosecution side. Now, do you think that door swings both ways if more prosecutors had some uh, defensive, you know, every year they should have to take five pro bono cases in a different county as a defense attorney? Yes. Yeah, that's actually Uh, jail for a week. Hundred percent. And and so here's my perspective on that is I do a lot of transition work with people that are moving from a state job to a private practice job because just something that I've done a bunch of and I like build in the network. Every former prosecutor within the first six months of private practice has a moment where they're like, Are you kidding? How is this, <laughs> this the is hard. Way that system work? Josh, and they come and they look at you like you're crazy and they're like, Josh, I called this person and I emailed them and they just ignore me. I'm like, that's regular. <laughs> like I have senior prosecutors that people are like, oh, they got to treat you so well. No, half my time is spent literally hunting people down, trying to get them to respond to work that is just sitting on their desk. But this and- this is a great transition. There is no accountability in yep. pro- amongst prosecutors. So when, when somebody dies in the jail, and I had another client die in the jail in 2021, another similar mental health, no criminal history. He actually hung himself, supposedly. Um, but but the truth of the matter is that, that the, the lack of accountability amongst prosecutors, the lack of, there's no oversight. And so there's this, it allows them to just build, you know, power. They want to they expand their power. Power corrupts, especially unchecked power. And nobody, they are responsible, even though people die in the jail. The overcrowding in the jail is because they're not letting people out on bond and they're not moving cases. You know, they're indirectly responsible, in my opinion, for everything that happens in the jail. And and just like what we've done with modern food, you, you know what? You haven't had to kill much of what you eat. Most people don't kill their food. It's one of the things we've done. Yeah. We, we took our abattoirs and our slaughterhouses and we hid them. And then we paid a very small group of people to do the really nasty stuff because only they'll be exposed to it. And we all get boneless, skinless chicken breasts in a, in a grocery store that are sterile. Love Criminal it. law is the same way. Yeah. We The prosecution has been removed from having to deal with what their decisions wrought. Completely they desensitized. They have to go to jails. They don't have to understand what it's like to wait 30 days, 60 days, six months for a hearing date, then show up and be told, oh, I wasn't on the calendar. Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to have to reschedule that. Oh, I was busy. Like the lack of accountability, there's no enforcement mechanism saying, hey, you didn't do your job very well, state. So there's a punishment. So there's never a fix. No one in a ever- private en- private entities would not allow their employees when when oh. when people if, if a defense attorney calls you call them back in most like private coming they just ignore call. well i know they, no that's the that's the difference is like this the da's office at least fulton county and you know gwinnett county because they're on my I, I will never forget i'm an elephant i think as they say um I, if these prosecutors that i'm dealing with in these in this case if they ever become defense attorneys you're not helping them either josh we're not helping them I will yeah. never forget what they did. There's blood on their hands, even if those not. You're gonna fix client. not calling people back by not calling them back. <laughs> but no, but it it just it's so so disgusting how you also see good prosecutors, of which there are many. Then you see the bad prosecutors, and they never interact. Like your good circuits never cross with the bad circuits. So the exact. But hope you don't get the bad circuit. Hope you don't get the bad circuit on the wheel. That's really it. And half the questions on like the listservs and stuff are like, hey, I've never been to County X before. Why are they being completely insane with this chart? Like domestic violence is a perfect example. You get arrested on a basic misdemeanor domestic violence in the metro area. uh, You know, you're going to go to court the next day. You're going to get a bond. There's going to be a no further contact. It's going to get sorted out. Nobody's life ends. Well, unless you're in one county who doesn't arrest people for misdemeanor domestic violence, makes them all felonies because misdemeanors are constitutionally entitled to a bond. So by calling it a felony, they just don't have to give you a bond. Then after two or three weeks after reviewing everything, they say, hey, we've decided not to make this a felony. So yeah, then they're going to put you in jail. Yeah. And you get a bond. 
And like the abuse that we see, you can go months in Fulton County without getting called back, without getting emails, without any communication. And if you call the office and say, who's the prosecutor in charge of this? They're going to list either no one or they're going to list one of two or three of the elected DA's top lieutenants who are so busy, you're never going to get in with them. Meanwhile, you know, the power meanwhile. only goes at the top. Do you want to no. transfer into the how power corrupts? We'll go there. It's a good Fulton, story. Fulton County, it just it seems like it, it's the perfect example. I mean, I know it happens all over the country, but uh, it's not just the Donald Trump stuff. But like you were saying, with the wheels turning slow and all this sort of thing is like, is there a solution to fixing this problem? Because again, we brought it up before, you're just loading, you're overloading an already overloaded system, you know, from Do the less. time. Can Do you less. guys see one problem in there that you could <laughs> help the wheels turn a little bit faster? It's like beeping at the person in the left lane and they're like, we're not going to speed up. It's yeah. like, get, you're like, get out of the left lane. And they're like, just because you're, just because you're asking, we're not moving. It's that kind of thing. And, and, and the one... real problem is that we've got 159 different little kingdoms being run by different DAs, and the same issue can manifest differently in two different counties. Um, at Fulton County, there's a certain kind of fixes that are needed. Cobb County, there's a different kind of fix. Gwinnett County, there's a different fix. Uh, Forsyth County, there's a different fix. For example, like a, a, a real common one that we deal with is DUI. You get a DUI in Forsyth County versus Fulton County, even though they're contiguous, two completely different. Like you're not even going to feel like you got charged in the same way. It is like I'm going to give you an, an example. Times. Okay, here's an example. This morning, I pro I pro bono crusade for um, cannabis. I don't know if you knew that about me, Derek. Uh, well, now I do. <laughs> This was, a, I told you, I, I wanted to have you on and I didn't want to cheat on Franz. And Josh was like, the hell with Franz. I'll take well, that. So, so I was only the, able to do a little bit of homework on you. Well, that's something that's really important to me that I love to talk about. But this morning I went to court um, because this there was a 17-year-old black, black, amazing athlete who's actually, I think he's already committed to... Missouri State or some for some D D one scholarship, some great scholarship. Okay, from California was in Atlanta, was parked in his like in like a um, apartment complex, but what I guess was maybe taking up two spots. Atlanta police pull up on him and smell marijuana, toss the car, find three grams, three grams next to that. That's the, I, I'm For waving those of you off. Who don't know about it. marijuana. Three grams is not that much. It's a joke. It's At least a it joke. wasn't when I was in college. No, it's, yeah. The, the measurements didn't change. It's still, yeah, it's still three grams. And that's right. in, in Atlanta, in a city where they, they claim to be more liberal and they, they put in the news that it's been decriminalized. Low, low that, they issued, that they're going to issue tickets. Um, And they, I, I actually don't even know if, I mean, APD has the, disc I don't know if they have the discretion to still oh, arrest oh, them. Yeah. So that, but that's that, the problem. But that's the problem. If they're going to, so that like, there's more. So then there's more. So then they arrest this kid. Okay. And then we go to court and I keep going to court because they keep telling me that he either, he's in California. Like I'll get a doctor's note. And it's a, it's a black male prosecutor, which feels, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you like? What, what is going on here? Meanwhile, I mean, I could just tell stories for days. There's people in that courthouse that run that are on the bench. They're smoking too. How do I know? Yeah, <laughs> I can Maybe smell I it. <laughs> and then I go to court. I'm not smelling firsthand knowledge. Maybe yeah. I smoked with them. I don't know. I just possibly. I'm just saying everyone has to get real and stop ruining certain people's lives and not others. But that's going to clog the docket. They, they need to do less. They need to and do less. What Rachel's talking about, the specific, the selective enforcement, that's the issue. Because I was in court this morning in DeKalb County, and there was somebody on the rope. You could smell that weed from 50 feet away, and it was fresh. And it just reeked. And I mean, not even pretend reek, man. I'm talking fish concert circa 1996 weed. 
No, we're and, talking 2023, that yeah. new dankity-dankity. Fish, uh, for, the, for those of you who don't know, is an alternative rock band that maybe... Uh, it is a jam band, of. thank you very oh, much. This is a, that's Gucci Mane, Cush is my cologne. That's what you say <laughs> yeah. to the officer. So literally, it reeks of weed in this courtroom and nothing. Meanwhile, if, a, if an officer like Rachel's client wants to harass you... Man, that smelled weed. Didn't find any, but it smelled like weed. And that's where our probable cause came. And that's why this decriminalization thing is just garbage because it's Do it or don't. Still a probable cause. It's still a reason to investigate. It's still a reason to shake down these young people who are by and large minority and, and other individuals that the officer just wants an opportunity to intercept. Well, hope and that there's more in the car. He hoped that yeah. there was more in the car. He wanted and to toss the fishing car. expedition. Isn't yeah. the whole marijuana thing though kind of first on the list? I mean, for like uh, for a police officer to kind of just, you know, it, they misuse the fact weed. that it smells so good. They misuse oh. the. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. But and, yeah, and the number of cases you know. that that start with, well, I smelled some marijuana, so I then did an investigation. Marijuana never gets charged. Marijuana no. never gets even mentioned again, and it's and it's. Hey, we needed probable cause to enter the private, theoretically free from un irrational, unreasonable search and seizure, and it's going to allow the state in. And that's then they have to justify all this BS about decriminalization. Is it still allows the officers to use the tool to harass people? Yeah, and if they didn't, then maybe we'd have less cases in the pipeline. It's just we all have to look at efficiency, like uh, you know, I'm becoming so I'm becoming right wing. I'm like, we need smaller government. I need less. I need less ah, funding. the circle. The circle. I'm so, so far left, I'm right. That's what I tell people. Rachel. So far left. Down, welcome to the down with the government show. And she's gone so far left, she I'm made a, a radical right turn. I'm a radical. Uh, it's. I'm telling you, that's what it is, though, because we can't trust the system to not do awful, awful things given the opportunity. Because even if we had a, a, a thousand well-trained officers a couple of the crappy ones are going to abuse the hell out of the law. And then the law is set up to create rules that kind of protect everybody because we're all doing the right thing together. Right? No, that's where you get the most ridiculous rules and policies out there where we have given up all of our privacy, where we now allow the state into our lives so many different thousands of ways that we never even would have considered previously. Biggest gang on the block. Yep. So just going back a little bit, because uh, I, as much as I, I don't want to talk about Alex Murdoch, with the, the problems that you guys have working within the justice system, do you see a case like that that has gone on for 25 years and it's going to go on for another 20 years and say, this is such a waste of time and resources? Like, how is there not a way to fast track something like this? It's so... There are cases that last forever because the person just wants to keep spending money. And there are people who are literally going to keep spending money because at some point the state to some flag better gets sick of it. And a lot of times appeals that are okay appeals, what really you're appealing for is they don't want a bad opinion. So they're going to replead the guy or find a way to get a remedy that then ends the, the, the appeals process. Um, but you know, that's private money issues. Um, with public money and stuff like that, there are so many different efficiencies that exist that we just don't take advantage of because of policies and because of discretion and how people want to run things. Can uh, a really judge, can a judge or anybody up and down that that whole system, like with Murdoch, for example, kind of step in and say, like, we got to wrap this up? A judge with a spine. This is what happened. I'm not a judge. <laughs> I, I have, again, I have patience problems. So like I'm in the left lane, I'm speed. There's a, there's only certain things that are really relevant to me. So if you're, if you're wasting time, the process, so Burdock, I have no problem with him appealing and having the right to an appeal, all that stuff. What I, what I take issue with is the dramatization, the, the stretching out, the, just get to the point, just get to the, just get to the point. And that's the thing that, that, sorry, I almost swore. That's the other issue you're, that I have with- You're the, allowed to swear here, it's okay. No, with the special, with, okay, good. With the special grand jury in Fulton County that was just looking at evidence against Donald Trump and the other people, eight months just to look at evidence. So, I mean, you can get two defense attorneys to look at that case or any competent prosecutor and have the whole thing done without a special grand jury. And 
all that stuff within a month. Yep. It's, and, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. It, it, the, it's the manufactured issues and the state manufactures issues the way that it wants to present them. Bonnie Willis sat on that report. Bonnie Willis sat on that calendar because she was getting told from other stakeholders and other, oh, do it this way, do it that way. She could have moved way faster. She chose specifically not to. You think, you think with, a high, with, with a highly publicized case like that, you would move it by quick to kind of show you uh, no. the best? No, because remember, your win and her win are not the same win. I thought and, it was unreasonable while asking for more money and that there was a backlog and people were dying in the jail. No, I mean, I think openly it's reasonable to think that it, that spending more more time and money did not make sense then. You, and I didn't know have, why, but now, but now we know why. Yeah, you have two court cases in Fulton what? County that have basically eaten two judges and at least a dozen prosecutors and removed them insane. in order to deal with two cases one of which is completely nonviolent and political and being prosecuted elsewhere. The other one has been so mishandled, they gave away the farm to a bunch of lower level people where they all got gimme please. And now they just keep going after the most funded and the most well-represented one of them all in an unbelievably inefficient and disrespectful way to the rest of the system because they're doing a RICO charge to go after one guy. So when a judge one could guy. A judge could speed it along. Um, but yeah. I think a lot of times they're so much more scared of doing something outside of what the prosecutor wants them to do. Um, because judges they, are terrified. Judges well, are terrified of prosecutors. I reached out to, so Josh and I went to um, the trial lawyers college in Wyoming, the Jerry Spence's trial lawyers I've college. I've heard but, legendary place. So one of the guy, one of the um, the guys that was in my class actually was an attorney, defense attorney in Vegas. So when the flying felon thing happened, I love they call him the flying felon. It's so great. Um, the flying felon thing happened. I was like, hey, what do you know about the judge? He said she was an evil former prosecutor. And so I think that's also important. We all have to ask why are prosecutors suited for um, as like a career move for judgeship? They go from persecuting slash prosecuting people, depending on who they are, to then apparently with no further training, becoming the unbiased ruler of basically how every discretionary decision goes and the, the governor they need neutrality training i've been saying this forever i don't understand and there's there's almost no slash by design no oversight over how judges are necessarily chosen because in georgia while they are theoretically nonpartisan elected it is extraordinarily rare for a judge to get that job as a judge without the governor tapping them on the shoulder and saying, you're the one I choose for this position because the governors have this appointment ability and then governors use it to stack where if they are in the same track, they promote one so that they can promote another so that they can promote another. So one change in position allows them to give three, four, five, six new jobs. Um, they very clearly are used to pay people back. Like that's what appointments are for. And then no one can tell you squat about whether they are a good judge or a bad judge. And then the agency that is charged with disciplining, supervising, uh, you know, watching the judges is so toothless. They literally, we've known the people running it. They'll tell you how toothless it is, where they can make recommendations and the Georgia Supreme Court goes, eh, we're really not going to do anything about that. There yeah. are judges- There's No accountability for power. That's dozens of complaints. I want to hold them all accountable. I'm and you can't. You can't even get acknowledgement of the number of complaints because it's secret. You don't want to hurt the judges. The, the, the system of justice for judges is so one-sided. You can't even get your, compl your complaint published or shared until the judges had lots of due process that's one-sided and secret. Is there any um, issue, obviously, you know, problems with judges here and, you know, boys club and you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Do you come across in court or just in the legal system in general, judges that you know for a fact are difficult or don't like you for whatever reason and it, you right. kind of have to change your approach <laughs> or is it just, I just um, want to go in there and do the best job I can and hopefully, you know, it rolls my way. We had a case together where Josh can 
I, I, I mean, I've got judges where literally if you walk into my office and we look at your, your case, there are a couple judges where I will either increase my price so dramatically you do not want to hire me, or <laughs> I will just tell you on the front end, you can hire me for that. I'm going to hire someone else to come in because you don't want me going up against that particular judge. Now, that's you, a very small number. You can hire but, me, but I'm going to lose. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not Not by your own fault. It's the fact yeah. that these people, I mean, to take your emotions on the, they're just not capable. I mean, no one's really capable of being ultimately neutral, but you can at least like appear neutral. You can at least like not bully defense attorneys, not make, not embarrass defense attorneys in front of their clients because you're, I don't know. You have a bone to pick with them. You're jealous. I'm like, are you jealous? Like, and I don't know what their problem is. Does, and, but also changing up your strategy changes really. I mean, it's hard to do when they hate you. Yeah. So and, and you their lawyers were literally their reputation is I'm hard, hard to work with. And you don't want to deal with like one of our dear friends that Rachel used to work with is very upfront. He doesn't negotiate ever, ever. <laughs> the only thing you're ever going to hear from him is we're ready. And he literally doesn't negotiate because he's gone through it so many times and he tends to do really big cases and negotiations are dumb because they're never going to offer anything that you would want to take. And the only thing you can do is go to trial until the state tells you that they're not willing to prosecute your client to that level. And that's just their reputation. There are lawyers that are known as plea lawyers versus fight lawyers. There are lawyers that are known for one thing rather than another. And hopefully your lawyer that you choose is smart enough to put you first and yeah, it's bring not about the your... right kind of lawyers. And that's exactly, when I've got a case that's screaming for a Rachel, I won't take a step without bringing in a Rachel. In a, in a heartbeat. And there are people that use me for the same way. I, I like come the, in I like the lawyer that doesn't negotiate. I go right off the bat, go, I am not going to negotiate. Who are we talking about? You know, oh, Mike. On the big rapes and the child molestations and all that. Wait, who? Jacobs. Oh, oh yeah. He's a, well, okay. So that's the thing. He's he's been successful enough that he knows how how to do it. I think yeah. I think at some point, you know, you have a good run, he should run it out. But at some point it'll be a mistake and you'll have oh, I mean, oh yeah. I, miscalculating changes your entire courage. All the courage I have is confused at this point. But yes, no, I mean it's I think that that's a great strategy. They dick around forever without looking at the evidence. You want to tell me 20 years? You haven't even looked at the case. That's yeah. all the time. That's all the time. So anyways, yeah, being a defense attorney is like, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. It's like being a Cleveland fan. It's, just, it's you, you, have, you have to be willing to take hits. You have to be, be willing to get back up and say maybe next year. Um, you just get beaten down, beaten down, beaten down, but you still get back up. And nothing makes me more excited to get back up than being pushed down. And like, it is very much I, like the Chumbawamba song. Like, you get, get knocked, knocked down, down, but I get, get up, up again. again. I was going to say, for Cleveland Browns, you, you guys have been saying maybe next year for the last 55 years. <laughs> I know. And we still say it. And that's why I'm a great defense attorney. Because uh, I through carry being a cultural hero thing. Sorry. Um, speaking of attorneys quitting and not negotiating, uh, the Chad Daybell thing. Oh, I, it's not oh, just man. him. What, what do you guys think is the main reason why not even at the beginning of a trial or that early into a trial when a lawyer says, like, listen, this isn't for me? So you got to figure out what the win condition is. And on Daybell, since it's a complicated DP case with multiple stakeholders, anything that slows down the process arguably serves him well. Um, this whole what lawyer are they going to approve? what lawyer is available it the 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 existential version of me just looks back and goes well it's another day without needles and it's going to be another six months to a year without needles. and the more they can do that the better for chad because he's going nowhere yes yeah, the last control he has is who his lawyer is really so it's just another thing that's going to slow down the legal system yeah, the moment you get into death penalty everything changes everything changes yeah, I can't no, remember. No. Did they go? Did they try to do it for Lori? Uh she's gonna face the death penalty in the second trial. I thought, right? Yeah. So these are the kind of things. I mean, efficiency-wise, you're kind of like, okay. I mean, I guess everyone deserves justice, but the fact that this is dragging out—this has been years now. Well, and the, death, 
the death penalty in general, you know, take away the right, wrong morality of whether you believe the state can kill people or not. From a purely economical perspective, it is the least efficient, stupid thing we do. You will spend millions of dollars and tremendous bandwidth within our system chewing on the most esoteric and small and stupid parts of death penalty litigation, whereas every one of those cats would take life without parole. Like, that's just the thing. Like, it's all about this vengeance of we get to kill you. We get to put you to death for this awful thing you do. And it costs so much. It is indefensible. Well, and that's and also it ends up being a show about them. I mean, that's you know you don't want. I remember watching the Aurora shooter back in the day, the Batman movie. I mean, I remember the death penalty phase. It just becomes a and it, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have them privately where there's a mitigation discussion about you know or that Nicholas Cruz, you know, how he uh, was that's raped. The one that always the, goes to me. They all want to be stars. They all want to be famous. The judge, you're letting them do it when you make the whole trial about them. Yep. And, and that's what also the politicization of these big cases, every time one of these prosecutors is making the decision on a high profile case, there's a thumb on the scale going, well, this is going to get me reelected from the people who vote for DAs because they're tough on crime. Even when they lose, they get to go down in a, in a flaming pile of glory and say, hey, we fought to put that guy to death because we're law and order and we demand justice. And these tricky scumbag defense lawyers lied, cheated, and stole our victory of murdering a guy. I know. Meanwhile, you're prosecuting people for murdering people. It, it's it's the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, prosecutors are are um, the pot. If you want to look at the ridiculousness of the whole situation again, we had uh, Matthew Mangino on last week, and he wrote a book and all that about the death penalty and everything. And they think all uh, countrywide. 18 to 22 or so people get put to death every year. Yeah, Everybody on death row dies of old age or, you know, trans oh, the medical disability. costs it, of it, these it is like Kirk Nermy was the first one who told me uh, a death penalty or life in prison and all that, the, the costs of it. And it's just, it, it's mind boggling. We so, should care about, we should care about um, reproductive responsibility on the front end to prevent. There's so many things that can prevent, filling prisons and then like billing for each person's like medical and life. I mean, it's the ultimate no one wants work. to do it. It is it's li literally in states like Louisiana, which is a horrific sentencing state. They've used life without parole against thousands of people. Angola is an old age home. You go talk to front, the amount of money they spend hosting a bunch of decrepit old men who have been sitting in prison for 20, 30, 40 years and are just waiting to die. It's horrific, not just from a fiscal perspective, but from a base morale. What, yeah, a 70 year old with Alzheimer's? Yeah, let's make sure that guy stays in prison. Yeah, let's keep him in sure for another 15 years. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not free up those funds for proactive uh, programming or cut, no. Let's sink it into the worst possible investment. Keeping an old yeah, person yeah. in a cage. And it's it's baffling. We all pay for it. Yeah. Which is, again, no one actually has to face the, the cost. All of these DAs love talking about time and putting people in prison. and da, 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 da. None of them have to pay that bill. None of them get a, hey, your discretionary decision on this one of your thousands of cases comes with this cost attached to it. Yeah, cost doesn't matter. I mean, no. look at... I mean, it, it, it's just scale up and yeah. then keep that scale. Don't ever, I mean, to never decrease funding for a DA's office. I, I would the, love the, the idea that we have spent how much money on things like weed, where now we've pretty much realized that weed was nothing like we were taught it was and should never have cost or been such a focus and in fact harmed the, the war against more serious medical drug issues because we spent so much time focused on weed. it smells. Heroin and yeah. the opiates and all this other stuff that kills people. Now we're not in a good position to defend against fentanyl. Now we've still got a whole bunch of nonviolent weed smokers, weed dealers clogging up the system. And then they use weed as the excuse to start new cases constantly. And no one cares about that back end. There was and also- 
It was also, as far as marijuana was concerned, I know when it first started getting decriminalized that uh, there were still people in jail on charges that were that weren't even arrestable anymore, and uh, they still get out because, again, the the whirlwind of paperwork is so inefficient. There are DEA eradication programs where we spend millions of dollars flying military grade helicopters around different states, spraying a plant. How dare the they? Other states are trying to figure out how to grow more of intact. <laughs> yeah, where I can get I can get a a prescription for that. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. I mean, and then, yeah, and then there, yeah, just a lot of stealing. We we're not even going to get into civil forfeiture today, probably. But yeah, um, Josh and I have a lot of fun here. Where where are you, Derek? Where are you? Toronto. Okay, I'm from Cleveland, so yeah, you're from up north. Okay, it was minus twenty six this morning. <laughs> I was gonna say Toronto is not fooling around with the with the icy cold. No, no, uh, it's rough. Uh, yeah, because it it's it's in the 30s here, and Georgia is about shut. Like, I see everybody we- down south. It's freezing. It's freezing. I'll show you if you saw the video I shot on Twitter this morning. That was actually minus 26. I was preheating my car. Dude, we we canceled school yesterday for <laughs> yeah. a, a strong frost, and I'm like. Oh. We, I know we, you we, guys have a ton of stuff to get to, and we're only supposed to. I, I just, if we got a few more minutes, I just wanted to follow up on something quick from the last time we talked. Um, I'm opening the lot, door for my dog so he doesn't pee in the house. Hold on. Okay. A lot of people were blown away, uh, and again, you and I talked about it on that the show where the audio yeah. shot to shit was that they can bail on a RICO trial halfway through, but still oh. use the people that they've plead out and all that. That still sticks. There's no, uh, not a double jeopardy issue there. It depends on how the initial trial ends. And that's why the mistrial discussion is so fascinating. So YSL. Yeah. So Rachel, based on what we think, what we were talking about is in YSL. Now that they've gotten the, the baby pleas off the bottom end and they're down to the final five or six top people and the state's case is such a disaster, why wouldn't the state force a mistrial and then say, all right, we're not going to try it like this. We'll just reindict as individual charges. Double win. The- they double down. What are you talking about? All they do is double down. They're not. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about. And, Landville, and- she will play to the edges. Adrian Love, ADA, the, the head prosecutor on the YSL case, is very, she, she She's a very competent but sick individual who really crosses the crosses lines that she knows she can cross, knowing that the judge will give her and the prosecutors way more leeway than they should. It creates appellate issues because some of the, you know, just some of the way that she'll ask questions, she's delays, turns over. Th- oh, her, making- the allegations against her are of the same tone and tenure with every defense lawyer that has extensive experience with her and i can't help but give them a lot of credence because i'm watching them happen with late disclosures stuff that should have been handled elsewhere and it comes off as oh they're so busy or is it coming off as no that's purposeful hide the ball sandbagging incompetence trying to get every last benefit that you can by breaking the system and that I do not put past them at all. And if they feel that the state's case is crapping out and can force a mistrial and just go against them individually, they absolutely will. Because Brian Steele has enough appellate issues in this case already. God forbid they actually get to a verdict. No, if they if it's a mistrial, though, I mean, they spent nine, I don't know, more than nine months. How many right. months did they it spend? Ten months just on jury selection. We're just on picking a jury. Yeah, um, they didn't. They weren't there this week because I guess Judge Glanville is also the chief judge, so they're just yeah, like not in court. It's disjointed. Time. It's disjointed. It's a mess. And if it now they double down because if it becomes a failure, and they have to redo something, they can't just let them go now. I mean, they, they're they're stuck, and so that's why they're doubling down. And I think that they've realized that this judge is not going to grant a mistrial because, I mean, it would take something severe. Because he wants, he would be embarrassed too if ultimately this case is. And we have different opinions on Glanville and what he will or will not do other than here's what we 100% know about Glanville. He's towards the very end of an extraordinarily distinguished career. He has very little left to prove professionally. He has done everything in the military that you can possibly do. He's done everything in a judicial career that he can possibly do. 
and I know that he is looking at whatever his next chapter is, how and why this case to, gets dealt with at the end, it's up to him because he's got a wealth to choose from off the menu. The state and defense have done things that could justify a mistrial. I think that there's another two, three months of, of testimony at a minimum. I don't know if Fulton County can keep it going that long. Well, we've touched on three of the 25 things I wanted to discuss. We could talk forever. We could talk for. I mean, Josh and I we could do, do this again tomorrow. Man, yeah, oh. Rachel, I literally, we'd sit around my kitchen. Rachel, come yeah, on over. We'd do we'll the same thing. You guys are absolutely awesome. So if you want or need more of what you've seen or heard today, check out Rachel Kaufman on Twitter at RK Real Talk, on Instagram at underscore Rachel Kaufman. Uh, you can use the international network to Google her. Uh, Rachel Kaufman. And if you need some legal advice in Georgia, go check out www.rachelkaufmanlaw.com. And maybe you got caught cheating on Franz Borghardt and you need a male lawyer. Um, a very masculine Joshua Schiffer can be found on socials oh, at Lawyer Schiff on Twitter. And just Google Joshua Schiffer to find him everywhere else or visit www.jdgrouplaw.com and check them out both on TV and they're everywhere. You guys are absolutely awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Derek and Rachel. Thank you. And everybody, uh, Rachel, literally one of my favorite lawyers. She's someone that I bring in for my clients that I care the most about because she's not one of these ones that's always out there getting headlines because she's winning cases. Like you look at her and you're like, oh, it's this little Rachel and she's from Cleveland. She likes, but oh, I wouldn't mess with her. I can be really mean. (laughs) Rachel has spent more time with more of some of the most challenging people out there. Is zero fear, zero. Like I love a bad. I know I love a bad guy because I'm badder. I do yeah. love the approach with the no nonsense and not beating around the bush. You're like this trial uh, starts at nine. I want it done by nine oh five. I just I'm a, I'm an efficiency person. I mean I I, I quote Jay Z because I drove by the fork in the road and I went straight. I'm just trying to get to the like just get there. And, and Jay-Z, that's why don't even there, start with music. We could do another hour. There are DAs that see a Rachel on a file, and it's one of the reasons people like me hire her. And it's like, oh, shit. Well, they hate I it. I don't be- just have somebody that's going to phone it in and dance. No, Rachel goes to the mat. And if I can throw that in the face of some prosecutor, literally did that with a case where it was, oh, you know this? Okay. Brought in the guy, brought in the Rachel because it was the guy. Rachel was the one that the DA wanted the least across the aisle. Like, and, and that's right. the power of the network. <laughs> I'm honored to have you on here. If I ever break the law in Georgia, I don't know who I'm going to call. <laughs> All right, y'all. I got to run and go get a little girl. Yes, go. Everybody go. Thank you so much. That was awesome. That was really Thanks fun. Okay, send her my love. But okay, we'll do that. I mean, I'll do this whenever you want. Tell um, Franz I said, hey, and I can't believe how much I makeup. I would love to appear with Rachel. Tell Franz I said, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, we need to get a fake Franz and we need to like put a, an animated Franz up in the corner like a Franz sticker. I'm um, bald. Yeah. I just got to draw on a goatee and I can do the, hey, y'all, Louisiana's court right, system is a mess. <laughs> yeah, now, why the hell he had to go to the Baltic for a religion? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere in Serbia, but it's in. I tried to pronounce it earlier when I was doing the intro, and it's like, I don't know. No, there's, there's, they need some God and religion over there. That is not, <laughs> that is not a good part of the world. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. All right, <laughs> y'all. You guys have a great That was really fun. I'm, I'm usually even a funnier fun. person. I just haven't been pissed off today, so. Oh, that's good. Pissed off makes for good podcasting. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.